Church, let's go now to uh, the Word of God, which you and I always need to be in and be looking at and applying to everyday life as we uh, journey hand in hand with Jesus. The great book of Psalms, uh, it's, a, it's a great prayer book, it's a great song book, it's a great book to just be planting ourselves in as we are thinking about our relationship with God and Christ, our prayer life. All of the eternal essentials are right here in the book of Psalms. Psalm 32, 11. Let's offer these words now unto the glory of God. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Amen and amen. Let's go to the uh, word uh, now, and then we'll go uh, to uh, God in prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we turn to your scripture now, and we hear these words. We hear these words from Jesus himself, who says, perhaps it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Heavenly Father, that scripture was captured by the Savior's heart when he was being baptized, seeking righteousness, knowing righteousness. Lord, as believers, that is what each and every one of us want better clarity on. That is what each and every one of us need your guidance on. We need, Lord, the power and the anointment of the Holy Spirit to move us on toward righteousness each and every day. So, Lord, this season of Lent, it's a time where we can be serious, where we can get uh, a clarity where we can be uh, biblically focused on what it means to be righteous before one another, before Jesus himself, and before you, Almighty God. I pray that this Lenten season, now more than ever, can be a season, Lord, in which we are serious, in which we are laser-like focused, on repenting of our sin, of getting into your word, of being mindful and prayerful, Lord, about that time with you, Lord. Because each and every one of these Christian disciplines, Lord, there is reward, there is eternal reward. So, Lord, there is eternal benefit, O oh God, to being in the practice, Lord, of having a spirit of repentance, Lord, of falling on our knees and surrendering unto the King. There is benefit, eternal reward and benefit to getting into your word, as we will see in just a moment how Jesus Christ himself used Scripture to cast out the devil, to protect himself from 
the devil. So, Lord, we are faced with that reality each and every day, attacks from the devil. The Scripture uses uh, the image of flaming arrows, those arrows flying at us each and every day. That reality then in the desert between Jesus and the devil is the same reality between the devil and the believer this day. So we need Jesus, Lord, on that journey with us. We need Jesus on our hearts and on our minds and in our very souls each and every day. And we need the Word, Lord, covering us as we do so because there's still that spiritual battle raging now. There still are those moments, Lord, of spiritual dryness. There still, O oh God, is the war that is raging. So, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that in this moment, in this season of Lent, we can be we can be faithful, we can be committed, we can take, Lord, this journey serious. For we have and know the blessing of what is coming, and that is Easter, that is Jesus defeating death and raising from the dead. But before we get there, Lord, we have preparing to do. So in all things, Lord Jesus, guide us toward that righteous path. And a model prayer helps us daily in order to do that. So church, if you would, please join me now in the Lord's Prayer, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and, um, and amen. So church, I'm turning now to the Gospel of Matthew, the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 11. This is one of those traditional texts that helps us launch uh, into the Word of God, but that also helps us to start the Lenten journey. What a wonderful text that has deep and relevant meaning for us this day. So I'm going to ask if you are able to please stand out of respect for the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Satan tempts Jesus. Chapter 4, beginning with verse 1, it says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, 
set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone." Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, and angels came and ministered to him. Church, this is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen, and you may be seated. So, church, in a very perfect world, we would have no temptation, right? And I'm thinking about Adam and Eve beginning that journey after God had created them in the garden of good and evil. Everything was good. Everything was right. There was this righteous relationship with the Almighty God No temptation there. But as we quickly know, having read through uh, the book of Genesis, that quickly falls apart and it unravels and temptation is there and the fruit is eaten and they are quickly expelled out of the garden. So in a perfect world, temptation, think about it, would not exist. But tragically, what began in the garden is now our plight as well. We don't live in a perfect world, although we wish for it, although we pray for it, although we yearn for it. In fact, we have the exact opposite that we live in, do we not? A a fallen, sinful world. World. So part of that fallen sinful world that we live in, that we pray ourselves through and wrestle with each and every day, is the fact that temptation is in our face all the time, is it not? It's almost as though the devil himself is putting that carrot out there. And that carrot looks attractive. That carrot looks very tasty. And he's just dangling it out there. And here we are once again, you and I, as believers who want to do right, who want to live that most righteous life in relationship with God, being tempted in this fallen world each and every day. So speaking of temptation, okay? Speaking of the Garden of Eden, here's what I want to offer this morning for us to be uh, in thought about and prayer about and going to the Scriptures, both the book of Genesis in those early chapters and also in the Gospel of Matthew, is that the three temptations of Jesus Christ that are chronicled 
in the Gospel of Matthew, they very much reflect and are a mirror image of the temptations that Adam and Eve faced as well. And let me speak of or kind of sum up what those temptations are. And here is where it is so relevant for you and I. They are the temptations, listen closely, of satisfactions, the temptations of powers, and the temptations of beauties, okay? I'm going to say it again here, okay? What is reflected in the garden that Adam and Eve had to face and had to come to grips with, okay, and ultimately fell from God's grace because they disobeyed, Jesus was faced with these same exact things in the desert, okay? Hear him again. The temptations of, of satisfactions, the temptation of powers, and the temptation of beauties, okay? Now tell me if that's not relevant for you and I this very day. Aren't we tempted with the same exact things? The world knows that, you see. Society knows that. The devil himself knows that, okay? Satisfactions, powers, and beauties. These are the very things that tug at us, right? They know that our fallen human nature is drawn to these very things, church. Let me go back to the Word of God, okay, and just pinpoint where it speaks about satisfactions, powers, and beauties. I'm going to go to, this goes back to chapter 4, okay, of Matthew, and I'm going to go to 3b. Listen to this, okay? Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. There it is, right there. You see, Jesus had been in the desert. Scripture tells us for how long? For 40 days. For 40 days and 40 nights, Scripture says, he was there. So he was absolutely hungry. And Scripture tells us this. He was absolutely famished. So he needed nourishment, just like you and I would need nourishment. Although he is the Savior, so he would have lived through the 40 days and 40 nights, and you and I would have probably perished, right? But that's beside the point. The point is, he was absolutely exhausted. He was absolutely famished. So the idea of nourishment, literal nourishment, manna, bread, there you go. He needed it. He needed it. He needed to consume that very thing. Bread, manna, satisfaction. 
You see, bodily satisfaction needed that nourishment. So that's an idea of satisfaction. But the world gives us their own version of manna each and every day, do they not? The satisfactions. And they've got a twinkle to it, right? They are designed, these worldly satisfactions, to glamour the eye, you see, to spend the money on it, okay, to be attracted to it. But my question is, does it have any kind of spiritual nourishment to it? Does it have or offer any kind of eternal reward when you purchase it? Whatever it may be, is it good for the eye? Is it good for the soul? Let me ask you that satisfactions. You see, they're out there. Let's be aware of them. Let's stay away from the satisfactions that leave you on empty or that turn you away ultimately from the Almighty. Let me go to powers now, the temptation of powers. The Scripture tells us about that in verses 5 and 6. Listen to this. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. There it is. Throw yourself down. Powers. I will give it all to you, the tempter said. I will make you the Almighty. I will make you powerful. More powerful than your Father himself. The temptation of power. Is it for your own glory? Or is it for God's glory? Is it for vain glory? Or is it to honor and glorify the Almighty Savior? Is that not relevant for us today? What's your motivations behind what you're doing? The temptation of powers. Let's go now to beauties. I'm going to go to the eighth and ninth verse of chapter four. Listen to this. Again, so for the third time, the devil then tempts Jesus. He takes him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all of the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Wow. Putting that carrot out there again. Here it is. If you take it, you will be almighty. You will be all-knowing. You will be all-powerful. It's kind of like the snake the tempter in the garden saying, hey, look, take from this tree and you will know all and you will be all and you will be just like God. Will you really? And if you are, what are the consequences of that? Keep keep that in mind. When you are tempted, church, with satisfactions, with powers, and with beauties, we are so glamored with and by the eye 
we rarely, rarely, rarely think about the consequences of what happens afterward. How am I hurting my relationship with God? How am I hurting my relationship with my family, with my church, with Jesus Christ himself? The consequences, you see, are an important part of everyday life and the choices that we make. That is key. Listen to this. Giving into church, giving into temptation only adds to the spiritual pain of a believer. Let me say that again. This is key. Giving into temptation only adds to the spiritual pain of a believer. Why? Because you and I, as the body of Christ, as believers who profess Jesus Christ, we are in a spiritual battle between and against the devil himself. That is not a fantasy. That is not science fiction. That is reality. And we can go to scriptures just like this and know that the same thing that Jesus Christ faced in the desert is our spiritual reality this day. That's why when we give in to temptation, when we give in to temptation, it only adds to the spiritual pain of our hearts and of our very souls. You see, the consequences of temptation lead to sin. The sin, listen to this, the consequences of giving in to sin lead to these examples. Isolation, okay? You ever been in a place when you feel absolutely isolated? You're not happy. You're not joyful. Chances are you're the exact opposite. You're depressed. You're down and out. But the consequences of giving into that sin brings spiritual pain to your life. Isolation, loneliness, spiritual dehydration, and ultimately you're sick then with sin. You see? The consequences of giving into temptation. Now, if you are wandering around in your own spiritual desert, if you know of someone that is wandering around in their own spiritual desert, we need to know that there is hope that there is something to turn our hearts toward. There is satisfaction here. There is encouragement here. There is an uplifting message, and it is Jesus Christ. So firstly, if we are wandering around in our own desert, sick with sin, isolated, lonely, and depressed, let's go no further, church, than Jesus Christ, who was in the desert himself, who was exhausted, okay, who was dehydrated himself, 
But Jesus was doing things in this scripture passage that we can learn from and do likewise. So I want to point you, I want to point you, if you are in your own desert, if you know of someone in their own desert, I want to point you, you see, to the wellspring of life. And that is our hope. That is our encouragement this day to know that we don't have to be stuck, you see, in our sin. We don't have to be stuck with the consequences of giving in to temptation. That doesn't have to label us, you see. We can be pointed in the right direction, and that is the wellspring of life, Jesus Christ. So we can point ourselves and encourage others to go to the Scriptures, to turn our hearts and our very souls to Jesus Christ, and do likewise. So I want to share a Scripture passage with you that speaks about this very thing. You see, it gives words to what Jesus did in this text, okay? In this very text from Matthew, forgive me, church, my pages are stuck together. Okay, here we go. So, in the Gospel of James, the Apostle James gives words to the very actions that Jesus lived out. Okay, this is his spiritual reality. James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. Okay, this is what Jesus lived out as he was quoting scriptures, as he ultimately stood up to the devil, the tempter himself. Listen to this James chapter 4, 7 and 8. These are our biblical words of the day as well. Listen to this. I'm going to read it twice. Therefore, submit. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Here it is. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Submit and resist. In this offended world that we live in, chances are somebody's going to hear that and be absolutely bent out of shape. They're going to get their nose disjointed when they hear the words submit and resist. But church, hear me. This is the Word of God. This is the truth of God. This is what the Savior lived out as he faced the devil himself to submit and to resist. Now listen again to the context here. This is what James says. He says, therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Submit to God. Submit to God. When you are faced with that carrot of temptation and it has glamored your eye, it has glamored your ear, and you feel its pull, you feel its draw, whatever it may be, here it is. First word 
of the day. Submit. Submit to God. Submit to God. When you fill its pool, submit immediately to God. Let me continue. Then resist, or in other translations, like the King James, it says rebuke. Okay? However it speaks to you, resist or rebuke. Listen to this. Resist the devil. I cast you out, devil, because I know that you were in this temptation. You want to lead me astray. You ultimately want to destroy my life. Submit and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now watch this. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. That is the eternal reward, you see, of resisting the devil. God will draw near, and that is the gospel. Let me close with this. And it ultimately, you see, is on us through the grace that we know of free will. You and I, we have a choice every day. We have a choice this season of Lent. We have a choice every day of our lives, and it's simply this. Are we going to choose the tempter and temptation, or are we going to choose the victor and his salvation? The tempter or the victor? You choose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, temptation is out there. Temptation is strong amongst us with our phones, with the internet. Temptation is stronger now more than ever. Lord, there's a long laundry list of temptations that are out there. And it's almost as though for many of these temptations, they are literally calling our name. They are whispering in our ear. So many temptations. And with a click of a button, with a push of one little app, there it is. Lord Jesus, Scripture is clear. Scripture is powerful. Scripture has meaning. It says, submit. Submit to God. Don't submit to the devil. Submit to God and resist. Resist the devil. Rebuke the devil. It's that simple. Submit and resist. Lord, I pray that our minds, Lord, begin to change through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we can be biblically focused on what it means to submit and resist instead of worldly focused. Being biblically focused draws us closer to you. Being worldly focused hardens our hearts and turns our back on you. So it's our choice, our choice to follow the tempter or to go hand in hand with the victor. 
going with the victor leads to full and abundant life. And that is a praise for us this day. In Jesus we pray. Amen.